What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast. Drew here, as always, with Josh and Connor talking about a lot in the MLS world. I think our first double game week happened this past week. Maybe, maybe yes. not. Yes, yes. There was uh, a few weeks ago, one or two teams played a double game week. Okay, I guess this was the first week of like the whole shebang playing. Uh so we had a lot of MLS action, a lot of news getting announced, some exciting stuff, some possible shenanigans that we will talk about for sure. But it has been a while since we last recorded, so a lot has happened that I can't even keep up with stuff. Uh, Connor's pointing down, which I assume means I should go to Josh first because no one's below Connor. So I'm going to go to Josh. Uh, <laughs> He's just pointing down to the outline on my screen. But. <laughs> on my uh, screen, okay, on my screen, Josh is below me. So okay, S- same for me. To be fair, so when he was pointing oh, so down, it looked like he was pointing at me. Yeah, got it. Yeah, my setup is you guys are beside me on the top row, and then the last person to talk other than me is below me. So right now, Josh is below me. Oh, you have it like rotating. Yeah, yeah, I like to keep keep me on my toes here. But anyway, Josh, <laughs> golf stuff. Apparently, there's a fun story that we're excited to hear about. How has the past life been treating you? I don't know how long it's been since we recorded, but how, how's it going in, back home? Yeah, I checked uh, I checked when our last podcast came out. It was May 2nd. So it's been been almost three weeks for us here. It's been a, been a long, longish two weeks, but it's fine. It's fine. We, you know, life happens. Just gives us more to talk about on the podcast. Um but yeah, it's been it's been really busy. It it's been almost three weeks, but it feels like 
we just recorded a few days ago, at least to me. That's just how life is right now, kind of nonstop. But it's it's cool. It's cool. I did start the the new golf job, and that's been nice. Uh, I golfed yesterday after working a shift, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, the the other day, Mohammed um, Sanu came into the shop. He had a he had a round, so that was really cool. And one of the other guys, <clears throat> we're, we're next to yes. Who is Mohamed Sanu? Because for anybody who doesn't follow the NFL, we have no idea who that is. All right. So as Connor is inferring, he's an NFL player. He it's not entirely surprising because he used to play for the Atlanta Falcons for a few years. He was part of that really good team that went all the way to the Super Bowl. So he's so, definitely what sorry, what happened in that Super Bowl? I'm forgetting. I mean, that's enough. I don't that's know. Enough I, out of you. All I know you, Connor. All I know is they made the Super Bowl. I don't know if they won or lost. I just I Phenomenal it's been erased from my memory. Um, I know I watched the game, but <laughs> um, so yeah, he he he's a former NFL receiver. I think he could still play now if he wanted, but I don't know if he's got a team or anything. But he stopped by. But that prompted a conversation uh, between myself and I think it's the assistant GM at the golf course that's next door that's owned by the same company. Um, but I was talking to the assistant GM. And he was letting me know of some other athletes that have golfed at either of the two courses. Uh, Justin Fields and Kyle Pitts played together a couple of weeks ago um, over at the other course. Uh, he said Vince Carter had stopped by a couple of times. Uh, Tyreek Hill golfed at one of the courses last year, which that one's a little weird for me because I don't know how he connects to the whole Atlanta thing. Um, but the other ones, you know, make good sense. But he also mentioned that he himself, the assistant GM, has golfed with some Atlanta United players. Side note, that's one of the cool things about this job is I get a lot of comments about my tattoo, which in all of my jobs up to this point, like it hasn't really sparked a lot of conversation, but I guess with all these people coming to play golf, you know, they're pretty well-versed in sports. So it usually, you know, provides a good conversation starter for whoever I'm helping or whatever. But uh, the, the assistant GM saw my tattoo and he mentioned how he played with a few Atlanta United players over the last couple of years. And he mentioned Julian Gressel, which, duh, uh, Julian Gressel loves to golf, so that was not surprising. But then he starts to tell me about this other guy he golfed with, says he's tall, has long hair, tattoos, and I'm thinking, okay, you're describing most most (laughs) soccer players. And for some reason, my mind went to Jacob Peterson first, who he was part of the original inaugural team, but he's like, no, it's not Jacob Peterson. And I like keep – I'm pressing him a little more, and finally he goes – I think it was Shay, Breck Shay. And I was like, no way. <laughs> so my, then my next question is, because he's like, oh, Julian Gressel's cool dude, like cool guy, cool dude. And I'm like, yeah, duh. Like he seems like that. And I was like, is Breck Shay as, as like weird as he seems? And he was like, oh yeah, that guy's a character. He's pretty goofy. Uh, <laughs> but he was like, he's a good guy. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I was like, <laughs> as I mentioned, I was like, that dude's had some awesome photo shoots over the years. So hopefully that guy, the assistant GM will go out of his way to maybe, um, find some of those photos but yeah so there's a little brett shafe story for you for the pod for golf as soon as he said that i was just like i was very amused by his answer sorry we're gonna have to kick you off the podcast because the fact that your first guess wasn't brett shay is frankly insulting look to, in my defense brett shay only played with the team for like three months before tearing his acl so i kind yeah. of forgot that he was on the team in the first place so, and because, because he mentioned Julian Gressel threw me off and I went to the inaugural roster, you just be, just be impressed that I thought of Jacob Peterson of all players. Like 
like you guys even know who that is. Maybe I think Drew that's remembers even, him. No, not a chance. No, you don't remember that's him? Even... He scored like three goals for the team the first year. He scored uh, the sixth goal against Minnesota United in the second game of the season. And he scored that stoppage time equalizer against former club Sporting Kansas City on the road. That was in August of 2018? 27? 2017. I think 2017 because I was student teaching then. But anyway, yeah, he he's a... In my heart, he's a little cult legend, so that's why I went with Jacob Peterson over Breck Shea, so I apologize. Just insulting. Insulting to this podcast and the MLS multiplex writers. Um, Is Breck Shea good? Did you ask him? I don't, slash, I don't know. If you had to guess. I, that's a good question, honestly. I feel like Julian Gressel is probably pretty good because of yeah, how much he golfs. For sure. But the fact that they were all golfing together probably means that Breck Shea is, is a pretty frequent player now that i think about it and if this ever comes up in conversation and maybe the longer i work there because i've only been there for a couple weeks now and the more i get to know this uh gm i can maybe you know like hey if you're golfing sometime you know <laughs> these players like hit me, hit me up if, if, you need a, shake, if you need a comma b pops <laughs> up and let me know please get me on that tea time <laughs> i was gonna I, that was gonna be my next question is how did he end up playing with them I don't know. So I didn't really have a chance to get into it because I think uh, I had to get back to working or he had to run off to the other course or whatever. So it, it, we weren't able to have a further conversation about it, but I do plan on asking a little bit more if it, if it ever comes up again, and it probably will. I'm sure I'll see some other athletes at some point, um, especially now that it's summer and it's going to be such a popular thing to do. So we'll see. So is it just being the NFL player that you've seen or anybody else? Yeah, just the NFL players so far, and um, I haven't noticed any other. When I saw his name, I was like, is that – I'm like, did someone just, like, fake put in his name, like, as a joke or, you know, whatever? But then the GM, he came over, and I was like, is that actually Muhammad? And he's like, yeah, he golfed here last week. That's, you know, that's how, that's how I, I figured out that was actually him. So we'll see. We'll see if more more names pop up, and I'll be sure to tell you guys all about it when it does. I guess that's the perks of the job, huh? Well, the perks of the job are the free golf. That's <laughs> that's the that's the perks here. I'm taking advantage. It's three games in the last three weeks, uh, a couple uh, stops at the range after a shift, and then I plan on playing at a couple of other courses that are in the area that the management company owns. So it should be fun. What about you, Connor? How's uh, freedom now that you're not a student anymore? Technically, I'm still a student. Um, okay. But- okay. But you're not. I'm not. You're graduated. Uh, boring. I haven't been doing crap. Uh, sort of just sitting around the house doing nothing. So, yeah, uh, that's about it. I think since we last recorded, my university announced its new name, which I don't know. Did either of you see that? No. Well, pff, no. Did you share anything about it? No. Then no. No. Well, if you had to guess... What do you think the new name of Ryerson University is? We've talked about this before. Uh, Canadian Canadian face. That would yeah, have been very Vancouver. Funny. I wish. Um, Ryerson, Ryerson, Ryerson. Ma- Maple Leaf, Maple Leaf University. Austin Matthews University. Again, Vince Carter College of Education. All of those are better <laughs> than the name that they chose, which is oh, Toronto Metropolitan University. Wait, it's what Metropolitan? Toronto Metropolitan University. TMU. Not, 
Yeah, I was going to say, TMU has a decent ring to it. Yeah, it has good short forms. It's so boring. According to uh, our state paper. Boring is safe. Yeah, and that's what they were going for. But according to our student <laughs> newspaper, uh, I just want to pull this up so that I get it 100% accurate uh, instead of, say, some name that isn't correct or some amount. Um, where is it? There. According to the Eye Opener, which is the student-run newspaper at Ryerson, the allotted money... For the rebranding, $6.5 million. Yeah. What? New logo, too, or just a new name? Yeah, new logo, new all that stuff. Okay. But that much, though? Like, I think when, so the school super close to me, North Georgia, used to be North Georgia College, and then it went to UNG. It was something crazy like that, too, because they had to go from the North Georgia Saints to the UNG Nighthawks. I guess you like got all these all logos, signage, and stuff. signage yeah. yeah. Like the athletic facility had to go from the Saints to like a big Nighthawk in the middle of the field. It was crazy. That's the thing is they announced a new name. They haven't decided, I don't think, on what we're going to be like. Our sports teams are going to be called. Okay, all yeah. right. It's, a, it's, it's so still dumb. feels like a massive waste of money to, oh, to some extent. Well, they had to change the name. I understand having to change the name. Uh, the yeah, guy was. A messed up dude. Uh, but, and I understand having to change the mascot name because his name was Aggie and the guy's first name was Egerton. So, you know, yeah. Uh, but some of the things are just absurd. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not, look, we don't have a good reputation. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We're going to be the EMUs and it's going to be hilarious, but that would actually be cool. It would be pretty good. <laughs> Drew is he good, Drew? <laughs> that's literally like when Darren Eels made that fake training McTrain face. Like that's the real version of that. Eggy Egertus. <laughs> it's bad, dude. It's so bad. But yeah. So I'm going to technically, I'm going to get, I'm going to file for the second paper because my degree that I'm going to get in the middle of June is going to have Ryerson on it. And then you can file to have a new one issued with TMU on it. So I'm going to technically have two degrees, which is going to be funny. Uh, And I'm going to hold that over people because I'm going to call you Connor two degrees Somerville. There you go. Um, So yeah, that's what I've been doing. Drew, you're still working for a soccer team. Any drama? No, uh, crazy busy though. We have six games in six days because the USLW league started for us Sunday. So we had a doubleheader with the W league team and then the league one team on Sunday did that again on Wednesday and we are doing it again tomorrow, but tomorrow they're on the road, which is good. The W league team plays wake FC and the men are in Madison, Wisconsin to play the in the famous forward Madison Flamingos. So that will be fun. Uh, busy, busy week with that. Um, had actually the save of the week, goal of the week, and the April player of the month were all Charlotte Independence players, which sounds really good, but it's a lot more work that we have to do. So love <laughs> that. Um 
yeah, it's been busy, but it has been good. They go on a long road trip. And their next home game will be June 26th, also against forward Madison. They're so road for a month. Yeah. Cause that's the way the schedule was, man. It was kind of weird. Um, they got like about a month at home and now they're getting a month on the road. And then after that, it kind of turns into like a normal schedule, like two at home, one on the road, two on the road, one at home like that. So. When are you going to travel with them? Um, you know, not going to Madison uh not too upset about that because i just want to stay at home and watch soccer and not go anywhere but i think so we play the greenville triumph a couple weeks may go to that game because greenville is like an hour and a half two hours away and then we play north carolina fc which is in raleigh also like two hours away i am going to richmond to watch the independence play the richmond kickers because i'm going to dc to watch the braves play the nationals and just hang out in D.C. with my friends. So we can just go to Richmond. That would be a cool deep one stadium. They have a cool atmosphere and brand in Richmond, so I'm super pumped about that. But most of the teams are pretty close, so traveling is possible. But then there's, like, a team in Fresno, California that, like, what? But. Huh. Interesting. Do you guys have a long weekend this week? There This weekend? No? no. For... Okay. Memorial Day is next weekend. Sure, that sounds right. <laughs> Seems legit. Late May, something like that. Okay, we have technically it's Victoria Day, um, but that's basically Queen Victoria, you know, because we're we were part. I don't of know who that is. The people you fought and and won. Yeah, won. Um, yeah, we have a day. It's basically just we get a long weekend in May. Uh, everyone just calls it May two four. Uh, so that's this weekend, but yeah, it's basically just an excuse for people to set off fireworks and terrify my dog. So that's fun. In Georgia, you don't need an excuse. (laughs) They just shoot off fireworks sometimes. Like there, there will be fireworks going off and I'm like, Oh, what holiday is it? And I'm like, wait a minute. It's not a holiday. It's April. (laughs) Easter, Easter fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, The joys of fireworks. Let's talk about MLS because we've taken enough time off. We need to talk about it. Nobody gives a damn about our personal lives. Um, So (laughs) let's start with something else nobody gives a damn about. And that's St. Louis putting down grass. Congratulations. You placed down some turf. Next up. I think it's cool. Wait, hold on. Take take a time out here. It is May of 2022 and they're not playing they're not entering the league until february of next year like this is this is a big when's the last time an expansion team came in with a brand new stadium already built i know toronto fc did Uh, it's it's much more recent than that i can i can think of one single team that had its stadium already built and ready to go and even then they had a little bit of a no i think they played at home in the second was lafc Yes, I'm pretty sure LAFC was ready to go. If not, then it was really early on in the season. But this, this is crazy. This is, we're almost a year away from them joining the league and they've already got their stadium ready to go. And the exciting part about this is now their MLS next team has the potential to play in the stadium. I don't know. I assume they'll play at least one game to kind of christen the new thing, but that's so exciting. I, I just, I'm blown away. 
by St. Louis City so far, and they haven't even kicked the ball yet. They're so they're so ahead of everything that I would be shocked if they're any kind of bad next year. It is impressive. Uh, I'd hope the rest of the stadium is built and they didn't just put down grass and say, ha, we've put down grass a year ahead. That's not usually how that works. <laughs> no, but it would be very funny if they did do that. I think that would be amazing. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Um, other news just breaking. Weston McKinney returns to U.S. Men's National Team roster. Oh, the roster oh, that just three minutes out. ago. Holy crap. We want to dive into that the second? Uh, no, not the second. Not let's the, uh, okay. Let's maybe we'll do it after we get through this MLS news. Sure, let's get through the MLS news before we do our games and stuff because we're not doing like our typical games and stuff because we took so much time off. Um, we can throw that in. Let's start with what well, we've already started with St. Louis. Next up, Montreal are announcing their new logo because they listened to their fans and realized that their rebrand sucked. Uh, so that'll be announced on May 27th. So I'm excited to see what that'll be. I wonder if they'll go back to the old name. I doubt it, but it would be cool if they did. Um, maybe like an old similar logo sort of thing. I, I maintain that the best way to do new logos is to just refresh your old one. And I've said it before on the podcast, but Arsenal is a really good example of this. They're, they have like a couple of older logos, but it's always got the cannon in there. So it would have been nice. It's the fleur de lis. Is that what was in the middle of the, yes, yes. So So it would have been cool if they had maybe a more modern looking fleur de lis instead of just ditching it entirely. Maybe there was a way to incorporate both the snowflake from the Olympics and the fleur de lis, you know? So it's just like, why why these teams want to go like hard right or hard left Chicago is the perfect example. They went super left field with their new logo. Everybody hated it. And then they came back more to the center and it's more of a refreshed version of their, the one that everybody already liked. So hopefully it's something like that for Montreal. Yeah. It's good. They're at least listening to their fans. Um, So we'll see what it looks like, but yeah, that's next week. We'll probably discuss it on next week's podcast. Uh, if not next week, the week after that. But yeah, that's exciting. Other exciting announcements. World Cup host cities are going to be announced on June 16th, which is the day before my graduation. Uh, so that'll be a fun day before. But I'd imagine Toronto will get one. I, is Atlanta in the running? Because I'd imagine they would get one. The uh, question is not if Atlanta gets it. It's how deep into the tournament are they going to get games? Because it was being considered as a semifinal venue. Ooh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they break it up because I think the initial plan was to do all of the elimination games like in the U.S. Is Vancouver in the running? I've seen like 10 different things about that city. That's a very complicated question. <laughs> I've seen some people say, I think they're back in the running. I think the issue is they'll need grass at BC Place because right now it's turf. And are they willing to do that? How much will the entire situation play into whether or not FIFA wants to give them host city? Uh, I think guaranteed, I think Toronto. I can't see Toronto not getting it. I think Edmonton too. I think what they did with the uh, qualifier games was really impressive. I think. FIFA will be impressed by that. B 
BC, I'd hope, but there's no guarantees. Uh, so we'll see. It's going to be exciting either way, though, when we finally get to see where games are going to be held. Uh, but how many cities in the U.S. are up for it? A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say it's like maybe close to 20. 20? And I, I think, uh, I guess this is when um, it gets narrowed down to however many they're going to go with. So it's going to be interesting. Would they announce, so like you said, Atlanta possibly a semifinal match. Would they announce that yet? Or is it more so like, hey, Atlanta is officially getting a city? I mean, a game. To, to me, it seems like this is going to be like the thing. Like, okay, they might gotcha. not do dates, but like, yo, this is the cities that are hosting. And then these are the rounds that they're hosting. Um and I'm, I'm pretty sure how it normally works, right? Like if you have a semifinal or whatever, you also get a group stage game. I'd be right? shocked. If you have a knockout round, you also get a group stage. I'd be shocked if you didn't get a group stage game and only got a knockout stage game. But it's FIFA, so who knows? Uh, bribery could play a part in that. Who do we think? What city gets the final? What do we think? I say New York, well, technically New Jersey, between the Giants and the Jets stadium is, I think, either that or Pasadena, L.A., pretty much. You think they go back to Pasadena again? That stadium's sweet. I love the Rose Bowl. The the real disappointing part is that SoFi is so brand new, and yet it's not wide enough for a soccer game. Pasadena (laughs) is just, like, the most perfect sports venue in the world to me. It's the Masters of Football. They got the final last time the U.S. hosted, right? Back in the 90s? They got the final. I mean, I know in the 99 when the women played here because there's the iconic winning in penalties. I don't remember about 94. I'm pretty sure Pasadena also had it for the men's World Cup, but I don't know. I, I feel like they might try to go somewhere different with it, but that's obviously a good pick, that or the Meadowlands. Chicago. No. I think Chicago had a semifinal game. I, I don't even I think they get a semifinal game. It needs to be really? a travel hub, right? Because it needs to be easy to get to. So I think it's got to be one of the big cities. Chicago is not. the uh, Having just flown in to O'Hare and driven up to downtown, like that's like 45 minutes away. Whereas with Atlanta, you're like 10 minutes away. Um, so far. That, well, yeah. SoFi is like literally next to the airport, even though I know they won't be doing the final there, which means Pasadena can't be that far away. Plus, the, I mean, that's LA, so that doesn't, of course, it's going to Miami. It's going to be Miami. No, they don't, Hard Rock sucks. Hard Rock? Oh, not Hard Rock. The new inner Miami stadium. How big is that going to be? Yeah, I don't I think they can make it pretty big. They wouldn't make it. No, nah, I don't think they're going to build a big enough stadium. Uh, in order to host that kind of game. Also, that's only four years away. You think they're going to have that stadium built in time when they just now got it approved? That's a good point. And, and if it's big enough to host a World Cup semifinal, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a long time to build. That's true. I can see Hard Rock getting, I don't know, that stadium's old, man. It's gross. I'm also maybe being dumb because why would it take four years to build a stadium? guess it depends on how soon they start building it. Yeah. Um, and how big it is. If it's a Tottenham-sized stadium, it's going to take a while. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see if they actually give us 
where it is. I think we're all in agreement it's going to be in the U.S. Uh, I can't see it being anywhere else, unfortunately. But, you know, hopefully we get to attend a game. That would be very exciting. Uh, But final little piece of news, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. Because speaking of Miami, there are more Miami rumors. This one being Lionel Messi might be getting a 35% stake in the club to eventually play for the team. I just want a one word answer. Uh, Maybe you could do like a sentence. Is this BS? This current piece of news is crap, but it could very well come true in the next year or maybe even sooner. So it's a high possibility that eventually it turns legit, but for right now it's not. True. Yeah, I'm calling shenanigans. Um, I have more thoughts if this actually happens, but I don't think this is good marketing move, bad soccer move is my take. I think it will happen eventually, but maybe not now. Interesting. All right. Well, that happened. Uh, Figured that's a big story we should include and uh, potentially clickbait too, depending on how I want to title this episode. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that'll be a later issue for me. Let's dive into the U.S. roster. A few changes to the roster. Um, A few key, like pretty big additions. Joe Scally finally getting into the team. That's pretty exciting. Um, DeAndre Edlin back in for his first time since joining Miami. Although I think it's the first opportunity he's had. Uh, Who else came in? Uh, Hadji Wright joined the team. Interestingly, Matt Turner is on the roster. New uh, U.S. Women's National Team player Gabrielle Salina is not, although probably for good reason, because he's not been good recently. Uh, other than that, am I missing anybody? Any new? Adi- Georgie Mihailovic? And yeah, he's back. Yeah, Malik Tillman is probably the, the big one there. That's a pretty big get, getting Tillman, because that was announced – this week, I think. Yesterday. Yesterday. There you go. Um, what are your guys' sort of initial thoughts on the roster? Uh, like it? Hate it? Who would you have rather made it in place of other people? Feelings? How we, How you feel? Yeah, it's, it's always kind of hard for me to take my initial feelings off looking at the roster just because there's always – there's such a big pool and certain windows mean certain things for certain players. So nothing really is, I mean, the guys that this is their first opportunity to get a cap um, that's sticking out, right? Joe Scally, Malik Tillman, Haji, right? Um, but I think the thing that makes me the happiest slash most disappointed is Aaron Long being back. Um, he's kind of had his injury problems in the past. We know how good he can be. I feel like there is, potentially a room to Europe, um, a move to Europe there at one point in the Red Bull system, but then injuries kind of pushed that back and now he's back. But I think when you mentioned that, you mentioned, is he going to play alongside Walker Zimmerman now that Miles Robinson is not playing, not a chance playing in this window. I saw something, someone did a study that there's like a very small chance he would be ready for the world cup. Um, 
it's take out what you will. Yeah, someone was like, someone made a return in that time frame. It was like, well, one football player did it. Like, does that mean Miles Robinson's going to? I don't. Think and if he does, is he going to be ready to play in the World Cup? So there's probably like a 0.2 percent chance he's playing. But excited for Aaron Long. I mean, he's good. Like, I just want to keep our center backs to MLS players. Um, I think Walker Zimmerman, he's the guy. He's that dude. And he's going to play beside him. So a lot of questions right now. Uh, John Brooks didn't make it. He's kind of just forgotten about. I think he's gone at Wolfsburg. I saw, like, a big ceremony, like, thank you, John Brooks, for everything you've done. So is Aaron Long that guy? We know how good he can be. But will he do it again? This camp, he has a good opportunity. So that's really the main thing that sticks out to me. Um, he's been playing consistently back in MLS for Red Bull, and I mean, Red Bull's been tearing it up. So happy to see him back in it, and he has a shot to kind of fill that Miles Robinson hole that the U.S. has right now. Yeah, other guy, other center back who made it, Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, I think that's is his first time making the team in quite a while. Uh, he's been tearing it up for Celtic in Scotland, so. Maybe he's an option. Uh, you've got Omar Richards. No, that's the English guy. Chris Richards. Chris Richards. That's a yeah. You just combine Omar Gonzalez and Chris Richards together. No, Omar Richards, <laughs> the guy who plays for Bayern. Uh, he's an English left back. The only reason I knew that. Uh, but yeah, Chris Richards. That's always an option. He's still recovering from injury, I think. Uh, which is why yes, he is eligible or in the squad. So. Maybe it's a Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman pairing. Maybe we see Aaron Wong push his way back into the team. Uh, I think you're being very optimistic that Miles Robinson would even be close to ready at that point. Yeah, again, it was like some dude was like, hey, a football player did it, man, one time. Like, maybe there's a chance. Yeah, I very, very unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, my feelings on that, but weirder things have happened. So who knows, Josh, what about you? What are your sort of thoughts on the roster? Anybody you're happier back? Anybody you're disappointed didn't make the team? I like the roster a lot, especially for what this window is going to be. The two friendlies and the two nations league matches. I think Burhalter did a decent job of keeping together like the main core of the squad, which Right, The main goal over the next five to six months is to just maintain good chemistry within the team to set them up for as much success as possible in November when they get to Qatar. The biggest things for me, I really don't want to see Zach Steffen as the number one. I know Matt Turner has only just gotten back from injury, but I feel like their performances with the national team should, take, should be taken into account the most. Therefore, Turner should be the starter. So I hope Berhalter starts to swing that way. Um, as for defenders, it's nice to get Joe Scally in there because now uh, USMNT Twitter can shut the hell up about it because I'm more sick of hearing them begging for Joe Scally to be involved than actually having Joe Scally involved. So that'll be nice. Maybe they can be quiet about that now. Um, for defenders, like you guys were saying, biggest thing for me is is just finding out who's going to be the right partner for Walker Zimmerman because that dude is, is penned in starter. And honestly, it was him and Miles Robinson as the top pairing. So I just want to find out who plays the best with Walker. Not even if it's necessarily the best center back available, just what will give the team the best results. 
Um, I'm a little surprised that George Bellow was called up because he didn't play all that well for Armenia Bielefeld after getting that move uh, in the winter window. And so I'm a little surprised by that. Maybe we'll see Joe Scally played at left back, but he is right-footed and I'm sure Burhalter would prefer left-footed left back. So I'm a little bit surprised that we didn't see somebody else show up there for left back. Uh, as for the midfield, I like it. Um, I'm excited to see Georgie Mihailovic now that he's kind of leveled up as a player. I'm interested to see how he'll fit with the team. Matt Doyle brought up a good point in that Mihailovic is really a Rom Deuter. He's like a Thomas Muller kind of player that just kind of finds the game and doesn't really have a defined position. But Burhalter has a pretty strict system as far as what each role is for a player. And Mihailovic doesn't necessarily fit the kind of dual eight midfielder that Burhalter likes to have. Uh, he's maybe more suited as like a creating winger, uh, pl- a playmaker off the wing. But he's listed as a midfielder here, which I feel like is probably on purpose because if he was going to play wing, he'd be listed as a forward. So that's a little interesting for me. As the only other thing for midfield is I wish uh, Paxton Pomichol had gotten called up um, because he's finally looking like his old self after about a year and a half of injury. Uh, so maybe he'll get called up later if he continues to play well for Dallas. Um, so I, I wish he'd be on the roster. And then for forwards, uh, just can we just find a striker? I just, I just want a number nine. Jesus Ferrer has been lighting it up in Dallas. He's on a tear right now, and he was playing really well for the national team the last time he was with them. So maybe that form continues and we kind of get a sort of locked-in player for that position. Um, I'm sure Haji Wright will get some some playing time. Uh, he had a great season over in Turkey this year, and is, this is a well-deserved call-up for sure. So, yeah, I just I just want to find a number nine. Please, please, soccer gods. Yeah, that was make you very, very, very good, uh, which I'm not a fan of, but, you know. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, we're not direct competitors anymore, all right? We can kind of start to cheer for each other uh, in, until we, we meet again. That's very true. Um, but, yeah, um, I was going to say Tim Leah. Surprised he hasn't really gotten a look at striker. Because um, he's not a striker. No, but I figured you could try it. He he has played striker in the past, but he's just so good on the wing. What one player I forgot to mention, Brandon Vasquez. I was hoping that he would also get called in. He has kind of cooled off the last couple of weeks, so maybe that's why Burhalter decided to just give Wright the one kind of obscure call up. But I wonder how Malik Tillman's going to factor in too. Uh, how much of a role he'll have, or if he'll be more of a sort of bench option, but. Yeah, it's a very, very West, good. Weston McKinney, too. He only just got back to training with Juventus like in the last couple of weeks. I, so I can't imagine he'll be very fit. He may even probably more there for like the chemistry and, and um, locker room vibe as opposed to like being a real contributor this window. I think that's the only reason he's there is be almost like continuous sort of leadership growth because he has had issues with that in the past. Um, so getting him reps and as a real leader and, uh, with the sort of central midfielders that they've brought in for this window, there's a lot of young guys too. So I wonder if that'll maybe have an impact on stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just to get him reps and 
keep him familiar with the team and all that stuff, make sure he's still on track. And uh, also probably to see whether or not he's recovering well, because this will be the first time they've seen him since he started training again. So yeah, uh, maybe he factors in, maybe he doesn't. Interesting either way, but yeah, let's go to MLS and all of the things that that has in store. Um, where do we want to start? Let's start with, let's finish with Seattle because I think we should finish with Seattle. Um, let's start with Austin. How many of us saw at the beginning of the season, Austin being currently in the supporter shield position in the middle of May? Because I can tell you I didn't. Can they keep it up? Too is sort of the big question. Um, I am a firm believer that Austin is legit. I think obviously this 2-1 win in LA against LAFC um was a what's the word I'm looking for? It was a big win. There's a word that's out there that I can't find, but it's a win that I think people can look back to. And I mean, that might be the toughest result in the league right now is going to LA and trying to get anything out of it. So I think they would have been fine with just getting a point out of that. And then you say, Oh no, you're going to win that game. I think is crazy. They're up to nil. I went to bed and I woke up and saw that they won two one. So I think Austin is legit. Um, They have, they've scored 25 goals this season, the most in the league. I went back and looked at last year's stats. They have 25 goals through 12 games, more than double what they had this point last year. So they're scoring goals and they're not, I mean, even the games that they lose, they're losing like two to one. So they're staying in games. They're not getting blown out. And most of the time when they're staying close in games, they're on the winning side of those. So that shows me that this is like, especially in these one-off playoff games if you can just keep it close the odds are pretty good especially if you stay in the top half of the western conference and you get those games at home that you might be able to do something with that so i mean if you're allowing one goal a game but you can get a lucky bounce off a shot a deflection and you tie it up and then all the momentum's going your way you're at home so anything can happen so they're keeping these games close and the offense is clicking i i don't think they can keep it up just because it's they just can't right like at some point it has to be like lafc like that just it has to be um but we've said that before and austin fc just keep proving us wrong so i don't think they're gonna win the shield i think they're for real um i think i said it before but i think i and everyone else just forgot that mls teams are much better in their second season and austin said yes we are going to be much better and now here they are so i don't even know if i had them in the playoffs much less at any point in the season winning the shield so they're crazy they're nuts um yeah looking good i don't know what their next match is i think they're at home because they had a really tough road stretch they had to go to rsl and then to lafc and to get three points out of that trip because i think they lost rsl on the road um which playing in rio tinto is poison it's horrible so they had a really rough road stretch and they got three points out of it. So good stuff in Austin. 
They're not good. They're going to go to LAFC and win. You're going to say they're not good. You're crazy. Their second impressive result all season. Apart from that, the teams they've played, San Jose. That was when um, that whole coaching shenanigans stuff was going on. They've lost to Portland. They played Cincinnati when Cincinnati were really bad. Toronto. Sporting KC, maybe. Portland. Maybe. maybe. That's probably the worst team you've listed off so far. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at last year. Uh, oh. <laughs> I scrolled too high on, this, on uh, the Google matches. Seattle, when they're going through CCL. Minnesota, they only beat one nothing. Houston, they beat. Houston, I don't think they're very good. Lost to RSL. They beat LAFC. They lost to LA Galaxy. They haven't had that many impressive results. They haven't had many very good opponents, honestly. I think they're going to have a real reality check the second half of the season. I sh- but also, like, I'm looking, I mean, Nashville's going to be hard. Like, I just, all these results, like, if you can go to LA and win, you can win any of these matches. Yeah, look, I will give them that. That was an incredibly pers- impressive result. Uh, to go to LAFC and get a win, hugely impressive. I just, I don't think they're that good. Maybe, I think they're taking advantage of a Western conference that frankly isn't pretty good. When you look at it, like I think Seattle are legit. I think they're going to be uh, uh, MLS Cup contenders, almost guaranteed. Colorado, I think they're going to get better when Zarda sort of starts to pick up form. I don't think Houston are that good. I think Vancouver have just been screwed this season uh, with just so many different things. I. The big test for me, for them, is going to come July 24th. If they can get a result against New York Red Bulls, I think they're legit. But right now, I just, I'm not sold on Austin yet. I think they're good. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they're overperforming. What about you, Josh? I am surprised that you're looking that far ahead for difficult matches when we could really just look at their next, I'm going to say their next seven games, which goes all the way to the beginning of July. Um, they've got to play Orlando this weekend and Orlando is a pretty formidable opponent. They're one of those top five East Eastern conference teams who are all separated by like a handful of points. It's all very, very tight at the top right now for the East. So they've got to host Orlando. They've got to go on the road to the LA galaxy who they just lost to at home a couple weeks ago. Uh, one nothing loss. They got to go on the road to Montreal. They got to play Dallas, who is playing really well this season. They have to go on the road to Charlotte, which is probably three points for Austin. But Charlotte, they're no scrubs either, especially for an expansion team. They're pretty well organized. They could very well win since that's in Charlotte. And then they've got to go on the road to Colorado, on the road to Atlanta. Those are not going to be easy games either. So, plus that Colorado game is midweek for July fourth, and now that I'm looking, the Dallas game is a week prior to that. So the, the schedule is going to get really packed when they come back from the, the June international break that we're going to get in about two weeks. So 
I do think we're about to find out how legit Austin is. I think all three of us can agree. I think anyone who's watched them this year can agree. They're going to make the playoffs. It'd be pretty surprising if they didn't. I think it'd take like a lot of injuries and like a lot of bad luck for them to not get into the playoffs, but can they be supporter shield contenders? Probably not. It's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, LAFC won the supporter shield in their second year, but Carlos Vela also went supernova that season. Drew UC is good, and I think he's a really good driving factor for Austin, and I think he can be that guy should they make the playoffs to kind of help them get a, a good run going. And I think he can be that game changer, that difference maker for the team throughout the season. But is he Carlos Vela? No. no. There's only two players who have had, like, uh, season-altering MVP campaigns, and I would say it was Vela and Joseph Martinez. That's it. Um, and Velos was all the more impressive than Joseph's from the year prior. So I think these next seven weeks are going to be really telling these next seven games, I should say, uh, just as to how good Austin actually are. Now to kind of go back to your point, Connor, about them playing a weaker Western conference. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think you bring up really good points. I could even argue that this win against LAFC was a little bit fluky because there was a somewhat controversial non-penalty call. Um, in which case LAFC could have probably drawn and finished the game 2-2. We don't really need to get too much into that. But that draw against Seattle is not that impressive considering what Seattle was going through. Uh, they lost to Austin. They did come back to beat D.C. on the road, but that's D.C. They're not the greatest. They drew San Jose back when it was still nuts over there. So, yeah, I do think – They've kind of taken advantage of a softer schedule. However, they can only play the teams in front of them. And they've done a good job of handling that so far. And I think that's uh, definitely worth something. So definitely solid team. Supporter Shield, we're about to find out. We're about to find out if they're capable of sustaining something like that. And everybody knows how difficult the summer gets in MLS. It's just so much harder for everybody. Yeah, let's go from one surprise now to another. Cincinnati are in a playoff spot off the back of absurd performances from Brandon Vasquez and Lachua Costa playing really well. They're somehow in the playoffs. They've won four straight. Can we not call them winning spoon contenders anymore? Or have they gotten very lucky against some opponents? Um, Because two of those wins were against Toronto FC. Um, yeah. Uh, are they legit? Like, can we call them legit? I think it's safe to say they're not going to win the wooden spoon. I think we've, we've reached the point. Um, as for how legit they are, I think they're like a level below Austin and that Austin is like pretty much guaranteed playoffs again, barring any like crazy circumstances. And Austin can kind of push up into competing for silverware this year. Cincinnati, I think, can push into making the playoffs. The reason why I'm not 100% sold is just when you look at those results, they're like all by one goal. So on one side, they're not the most convincing wins. But on the other side, they're wins. And Cincinnati will take wins. I mean, anybody will take wins any day of the week. But especially Cincinnati. I mean, Three wooden spoons in a, row, in a row? This is a league of parody. This is a league where you can change things in six months. And Cincinnati couldn't for three years. So the fact that they're finally winning is great. And I think 
Pat Noonan has done a good job of getting what he can out of those players. Like he's, it's definitely feels like the team as a whole is kind of leveled up and without a lot of roster changes this off season, they, they, there were not a lot of moves with this team. Probably their biggest signing was Alec can and he's on the bench now because their super draft pick Roman Celentano is killing it. So that does not mean Alec can is bad, by the way, it just means <laughs> he got injured at the wrong time. And the guy that's behind him turned out to be really good. So before you say anything, Connor, you just chill out over there. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati will take these wins. I think it shows real progress that they're able to get these kinds of wins. I mean, for being honest that they're getting wins at all is great for them. So it's kind of the same thing as I was saying for Austin, we're going to find out over the next few weeks, just how good they are. They play new England twice. They got to go on the road to Montreal. They got to go on the road to Philadelphia. And then they have to play Orlando and New York at home. Those are the next six games. That's a pretty, that might be like as difficult as it gets for a schedule. You got two games against the, uh, three games against the reigning two supporters shield winners against the reigning MLS cup winner against the team that's leading the East right now. And then against the team that's in the top five of the East. So that's a pretty tough schedule. If they could get, what is that? 18 points. I'd say if they just got nine points out of that, if they could even take half the points, like that's pretty, pretty impressive for Cincinnati. If they get anything more than that. I'll be, I'll be really impressed. Drew, are you sold on Cincinnati yet? Um, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with Josh. I think the wooden spoon is out of question. Thanks to DC United for that. And I think they are a bubble playoff team, which is good because that shows progress. Um, Like Josh said, this schedule is absolutely brutal. Um, I think even right after you host the Revs, they they go to the Reds and they host New York Red Bulls. So it doesn't get any easier. Nashville's coming up. So pretty rough. They have to go to Seattle on a Tuesday. That might be punishment for being so bad at soccer the past three years. Um, so I think they're better. Um, if they make the playoffs, I think the league's going to burn down because that's just weird. But the, like I think when we talked about Austin and those results not being impressive, really the most impressive result I can point to on Cincinnati's schedule, which you might be able to understand what the heck's going on in Toronto more than anyone um went on the road and got a win against minnesota after beating toronto so you played toronto on a wednesday went on the road to minnesota and got a win and then got absolutely demolished in the open cup by the revs 5-1 and then played chicago once you won but we'll talk about chicago and that team's falling apart soon um so i mean on the road to minnesota is pretty good especially that short rest and you're going on the road to a tough place so i mean that's like the only impressive result i think that they have, and it's going to get harder. So I'm not – I'm convinced Austin's going to make the playoffs. I don't think I'm convinced Cincinnati's going to make the playoffs. But no wind spoon. I could see him finishing like 8 to 10. I feel pretty confident saying they'll finish 8 to 10 range. If they finish above 10th, then that's cause for celebration because single digits right there in the playoffs, that's pretty good progress considering what they have been. But I don't think they're a playoff team yet, but this is definitely much, much better from Cincinnati. All right. And let's go from 
surprise to disappointment, Chicago. Last in the East, Shakiri hasn't fully lived up, I guess, I think to the hype yet. Um, they haven't won a game in two months, including a loss to Union Omaha, which, yikes. Uh, Say the rest of the parentheses. This is the same Union Omaha that lost two to one to the Charlotte Independence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte Independence greater than Chicago Fire. What's gone wrong with Chicago? Because they made some huge signings. They brought in Casper Shabilko. They added, um, I just said his name, Jordan Shakiri. Gabriel Salinina is a year older. Why aren't they good? What is fun about the Chicago Fire? I was doing very light result panning, and they allowed two goals across their first seven games because we we're talking about Selenino wanted to break the clean sheet record. I was like, oh my God, he might actually do it. So, two goals across the first seven games. Since then, they've allowed two goals in every game since. And then they, they, they drew the Red Bulls in Harrison, but three to three. The good news is they're actually scoring goals. The problem is they're scoring one goal and they're allowing three or two. So at least they're scoring now. That's positive. Bad news is they get NYCFC, so it's only going to get harder for them. Um, I haven't watched enough Chicago to – because, I mean, they were just so boring to watch at the beginning. We talked about, like, they're getting points, but they're just not fun to watch. So I can't really point to, like – it's this guy's fault. Is it Slanina or whatever? I find it hard to totally blame the goalie for a three-goal letdown. Um, Connor, one of the goals he allowed. One of the goals that he allowed, and no, I haven't seen it. But it was bad. Okay, like, so it's some really bad, Drew. Like, but also, there's other two other goals. Bad. I'm gonna put it up on YouTube right now. But was this last game against Red Bulls? I think yeah. so. But it was really bad. It was so bad. It doesn't get much worse. I typed in Chicago Red Bulls, and I think it thinks of talking about the basketball team. Um, There's a basketball team called the Chicago Red Bulls. The Chicago Bulls. Oh. It's like, what? <laughs> the Bulls are red. That is true. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So I'm about to watch it after I get finish this advertisement. Um but I don't think it's this is a team effort thing. I mean, this is you're allowing allowing two goals a game is not a good recipe for winning. And do you happen to know which goal it was? Was this the first, second, or third? The last one. The last one. Okay, here we go. But yeah, so while I find the video, Josh may be able to talk more into it. But I think the defense is just collapsing and maybe Selena is part of that. But I think there's other issues at play here. But they're scoring goal. Not goals, goal. That was pretty bad goalkeeping, by the way. I just saw it. It's brutally bad. Yeah, so last time we talked about Chicago, we were like, hey, they have a good defense. They're not allowing any goals. And we're like, but their attack is terrible because they're not scoring any goals. So now they've completely flipped both of those, as Drew's mentioned. I, it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint like exactly what is wrong. 
honestly, a big part of it is Slonina is in a, his first ever professional slump. Like that is part of it because he doesn't look extremely confident. This le- this latest uh, conceded goal is a big visualization of that. But even before that, he was flapping at a lot of crosses. I uh, just watched him play Atlanta United when he um, let Ronaldo score a hat trick. And he wasn't bad per se, but there were definitely plays he probably would have made at the beginning of the year when he was way more confident than he is now. So that's, that's a really big part of it. And, you know, you got to remember he's only 18 and I mean like 18 in a couple days, he like just turned 18. Um, and we know that he's been dealing with picking Poland or the U S that's been resolved today. He picked the U S hopefully that's, you know, done and he's feeling relieved and he can start to focus on his game because he's really got to pull himself out of this rut. So I do think that's a, a big part of it. It starts at the back, right? If the goalkeeper's not very confident, then your defenders aren't going to be as confident as normal. So I think that's really affecting them. But also kind of what you were saying, Connor, like Shakiri is not up to speed yet. He has his moments. He did just have a goal and an assist, I think, on Wednesday night. And if not Wednesday night, it was on the weekend. So this past week was pretty good for Shakiri. And he looked, <clears throat> looked pretty decent in the the game I saw him play against Atlanta. So I think he's got to find his footing. They just brought in Jairo Torres um, from Tijuana, from Solos. I can't remember. Oh, it's Atlas from Atlas and League MX. So that's going to hopefully be like a good boost. Oh, they just got Chris Miller back from yeah. Hibs in Scotland. Remember? Um, and he made his debut in that Atlanta game, even though he just like joined the team like two days before he just scored this past weekend against Red Bulls. Exactly. So I think those are all good signs. Like Drew was saying, they figured out how to score. That's really good. It's just going to be, you know, can Ezra Hendrickson really get these guys coached up? Can they fix some of these defensive issues? So I definitely want to give Chicago some more time. I don't think they'll end up finishing last. The East is just really bottled up right now. It's like really, everybody's really close to each other in the standings. So I think it will start to even out and get better for Chicago, but right now it's just, it's tough. Exactly. And to that point, looking at the gap between Atlanta, who's in the last playoff spot and Chicago, four points. It's a four point difference. That's it. Granted, Atlanta does have a game in hand. Um, That's such a small, small gap in the grand scheme of things that, anybody's still in it. I think Toronto FC is going to have a huge late season push once they get Insigne and some of their other signing summer signings, um, whether that be Domenico Crescito, if he comes, um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name, but he's a striker from Italy. It's the East, I think is still wide open and the second half of the season is going to be really entertaining, but Chicago have to step up and they got to start playing better. And I think that, starts with Gab Selena playing well and hopefully making that decision that he made today and announced today helps with that. Um, but yeah, they can't keep allowing so many goals. Uh, it's just, it's killing them. And yeah, so that's Chicago. Let's talk about Seattle and they finally did it. They won CCL. First MLS team in the history of the CCL being called the CCL. Um, 
of all teams to do it, I think Seattle being the ones kind of feels right. Right? Feels sort of like it how it should be that a team that's been so dominant for so many years is the one who finally pushes the league over the hump. Yeah, I think so. And I was like the there are not very many stadiums or cities that I think could have given that game the atmosphere it called for, but Lumen Field, not Century League, Lumen Field was crazy. And I think they broke the attendance record. Um, but yeah, atmosphere was crazy. I think Seattle fans knew how important that game was for the league and for them because now there's not a trophy. Do they have an open cup? I don't know if they do. They, I'm pretty sure they do. I think they have multiple open cups, actually. Yeah, they probably have multiple of everything at this point. Um, yeah, so I mean, it just finished it off and they got to do it at home, absolutely demolished Pumas. Um, yeah. It was at their detriment, though, too. Jao Paulo out for the season with an ACL tear, um, which happened, I think, in that game. So that's tough. But since then, they have won two of the last three MLS games. Can we call them the best team in MLS, in MLS history, period? Well, what do you what do you mean by that? Do you mean the best team, the best franchise, best club? Two different questions. Do you think they're the best franchise in MLS history? Do you think they're the best team in MLS history? I do not think they're the best team in MLS history. I just, they're not. I still think Toronto is the best team in history. Toronto 2017, the fact that they got the treble and also came so close to getting CCL in that following spring, I think they are the best. But obviously a monumental achievement for Seattle. Um, But I think Seattle is the best club in MLS history. I think it's them and I think it's the LA Galaxy right behind them because the galaxy have so many MLS cup trophies and are still in some ways kind of the face of the league. Uh, but yeah, Seattle best club ever. Um, they, they've just, even, even this last week since they um, won CCL, I'm impressed because they've already flipped a switch to start winning in the league. Again, the game that they lost after CCL was the one that was like a few days later when like none of those players played. And they just threw out a bunch of teenagers against Dallas on the road. So that to me has been really impressive going from CCL and flipping the switch and not to take away from Seattle, but I've been impressed with Montreal and NYCFC as well, because they've done something similar, but I think it just proves how well built, well built the Seattle team is. And also losing Zhao Paulo, like that sucks. I really like Zhao Paulo. He's not overrated in the slightest Connor, but they have the depth and the grit and the experience to be okay. And I think they're going to be fine. And Obed Vargas, who's like 18, I think, and from Alaska, like he's the starter now. So it's just crazy. It's crazy. Can't, I'm just going to say it. Brian Schmetzer is the best manager MLS has ever seen. The dude is unbelievable. What he's been able to do with this team and the success that he's had year over year after over a year. I think he's the best manager this league has ever seen. 
at this point in time. You know, obviously they've sent out Jesse Marsh to Europe and guys like that, but I think Schmetzer has had the most success in this league, period. It's so good. I so badly want him in on another team just to see if he could have the same success that he's had in Seattle. No, I don't want to see him go anywhere else. I don't think he should. I don't either. And I don't think he'd be as successful anywhere else because he's a Seattle guy. He's so ingrained into the community and especially, you know, ever since taking over midway through, I think it was 2017, right. For Siggy Schmidt when he was uh, let go. So He's just, it's like a perfect fit. And it's like a perfect fit from top to bottom. Garth Lagerway uh, at the, you know, in the front office, the kind of moves that he makes, uh, it fits so well with Schmetzer and his personality and how he handles the team. And, and now they're starting to throw out Academy kids. That means they're only going to get that much better. They haven't even, they don't have a reputation for selling players. That will probably change. And then you're talking about the most complete club. I mean, they are probably the most complete club right now but that's like covering every single possible base. True. What was your instant reaction to seeing Seattle finally do it? Um, it was, I was happy, you know, it's frustrating. I think a lot of people were, you know, like, Oh, which was my club that did it, you know, with Atlanta making some, I don't even say like deep. Yeah. They made a run in CCL, I think, but you know, if, there's again we talked about seattle kind of is this club that um had to do it that if anyone it was going to be them so i think that is very justified and very happy to see it finally happen once um because for it to happen again and again you have to have that first time to do it and i think this one would have been so much more painful because there was so much build up to it and i think this one had like every possible piece going seattle's way um they had that week off before pumas had a really important week game they were at home pretty much no advantages no disadvantages about score line coming into it i think it was two to two um, they got those two pins in like one. So everything was going Seattle's way. So if they were to blow it, that just would have made it all the more worse in another excruciating, painful CCL experience. But it was, I was happy to see Seattle do it. I think those fans were ecstatic at Lumen Field. It was awesome to see them get that because I think even though they have had so many, much success in the league, there was still that grown, like that desire to be the first team to do it because no matter what being the first team to win CCL is like almost this like trophy bigger than any other trophy, because let's say Portland were to do it. Portland would always have that over Seattle. We know that rivalry. If LA were to do it or something like that. So this almost just feels like Seattle has everything kind of under control they have all these mls cups they have all these open cups all these shields and now they finally have that to make it almost a complete trophy case um and they're one of those teams man like my dad who doesn't really watch mls he just knows he knows seattle's good 
like he saw the Seattle one, he's like, oh, they're still good. It's like, yes, dad. Like they've never not been good. I don't know what life is like when Seattle is not good at soccer. Um, so to finally see the league do it, it's really cool to see Seattle do it with that fan base, all that energy to see them get to watch it in person at their stadium. It would have been cool to go down to Mexico and do it, but just everything about that match was perfect. Um, so I was happy. Um, I was texting my friends like, man, maybe one day Atlanta will do it. Maybe they'll do it one day. Will they actually do it? Who knows? Um, but I mean, I think in the post game, uh, Stephen Fry even said like, you know, this isn't the last team to do it. It's just the first team to do it. And hopefully, I mean, that's the goal. Like everyone starts showing the graphics of CCL winners and it's a bunch of Mexican flags. And there's this one U S flag at the bottom. Um, there should be a Canadian flag in there, but we won't open that box up. Um, but has to happen at some point. So are they the best ever? I think I still say Toronto 2017 is the best ever team, best club. Yes. Um, I think Seattle, if they were to win, I don't, I'm not sure their open cup status. Um, if they were to win MLS cup, I think you could make an argument that they're the best ever, but it would still rival Toronto 2017. And that's a big, if they win MLS cup, because doing that after the season is a lot of wear and tear on the legs. So they have a shot. It's going to be really hard. It, this is coming from a Toronto FC fan. If they win MLS Cup this season, instantly the best team MLS ever, period. Because to do that after winning CCL and going deep in CCL is so unbelievably impressive. Toronto won MLS Cup and then went and got to the CCL final. 2018 after that was the year of hell for, this, for that team. Period. Everything went wrong. Everybody was injured. Uh, everything fell apart, frankly. And if Seattle can manage to go from winning CCL, it's weird to say, winning CCL to winning MLS Cup, I don't think there's even a conversation that they're the best team in MLS. I think it's just a guarantee. Like, especially when they're doing that without one of their DP midfielders in Joe Paolo. This team is so impressive. I can't say enough good things about them. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's so special to see them win CCL and hopefully more MLS teams do it going forward. Seattle is unfortunately out of open cup. The lost uh -huh. San Jose at Pins. <laughs> But that was also a week after, literally a week to the day after winning CCL. So it's CCL, Dallas, San Jose, and Open Cup. That went to penalty kicks. Of the three, I think Open Cup probably is last on their priority scale. All things considered, but I guess you do have to include that. I don't know. It's open. Toronto 2017 won their domestic cup shenanigan. When there were only like three teams in it, but yes. That's what I'm saying. If they were to win Open Cup, that would be like, oh my God, impossible. That would have been absurd, but yeah, whatever. Who cares? They won CCL. Hopefully they can push into 
the MLS season. Hopefully they don't win MLS Cup. Hopefully Toronto FC does. But, you know, um, let's do our players of the week, goals of the week, and our games to watch. We'll start with our players of the week. And because he's not paying attention, Josh will go first. Nice one, Connor, because I'm not paying attention. You know, you are player of the week. Leaning I, your chair. I am paying attention to y'all. I'm paying attention to y'all. Talking about Seattle. I picked Jameer Montero. <laughs> you guys were talking. Look, all right, to wrap up, to show you that I was listening, I think that it would be impressive enough for Seattle to just get MLS Cup and CCL. I do agree with you guys. Any trophy in addition to CCL makes them best team, so I do agree with you guys. I would say it's a long shot. But technically, Supporter Shield is still in play for them. So it's unfortunate. It would be crazy. They Again, they've looked really good in the two games that they tried really hard in since CCL. They did not look good in the game where they rolled out a starting 11 of teenagers, duh. Or in a game, the Open Cup game, where they lost to a rejuvenated San Jose Earthquakes and penalties, which is always kind of the coin flip anyway. They lost 10 to 9, by the way. So that's like as far as it can go. They played as much soccer as physically possible in a week. There you go. So, yeah, I I think, honestly, Seattle's built so well and deep enough that maybe they will make a sports shield run. But enough of the Seattle talk. Big kudos, big congrats. Thank you for paving the way, Seattle, for the rest of unless They invented CCL. (laughs) Uh, My player of the week... My player of the week was Jameer Montero, and we're doing um, our players and goals of the week mostly from Wednesday night since that was considered a full match day by MLS. But, yeah, I voted for Jameer Montero with my first pick, and then my second one was Shakiri, I think, because he had the goal and assist in Chicago's crazy 3-3 draw against Red Bulls. But uh, Montero had his first-ever MLS brace, and San Jose came away with the win against – who was it? Um, pulling it up right now, even though my computer's being slow. If I remember correctly, it was a fairly impressive victory. Okay, yeah, they beat Portland, who had just come off a 7-2 win over Sporting Kansas City. So, yeah, pretty good win by San Jose. And, uh, yeah, Montero was my pick. Drew, you're next. Yeah. No, I'm next. Then you. Oh. I have a transition to goals of the week. I will say my player of the week was Daniel Shaloy. Scored a brace in his match for SKC this week. So, yeah, Daniel Shaloy. Yeah. There it is. He caught himself. Yeah, Uh, Daniel Shaloy. I was so focused on saying the S right that I forgot. (laughs) Daniel Shaloy scored the brace. Drew, who is your player of the week now? Yeah, I'm trying to see where you're going to make this transition, but I'll leave it up to you. Um, For the second time in a row, I went with the goalkeeper. Brad Stuver made six saves for Austin FC on their way to beating LAFC 2-1. to one. So, And some of those were really good saves. He kept them in it. So goalkeeper, Union Unite. Last week, I think I picked Andre Blake. And by last week, I mean last episode, which was like three weeks ago. Speaking of goalkeeper, goalkeeper assist on your goal of the week. Ah, there it is. Bang. Yeah. Uh, Alex Mule's goal, Nashville SC. I don't remember the whole details of it. I know Joe Willis's third career MLS assist, best mustache in the league. Second, right of the season, by the way. Second of the season. Wow. Best mustache in MLS, just beating out 
Josh Bowen and Tommy Scoops. <laughs> so we love a good stash on the pod. But yeah, Alex Mule got it. The banger Kyotas went nuts. So Alex Mule, the Manhattan Messi, as they like to call him. I don't know who they are, but I saw it on Twitter. So don't forget, he used to play soccer with Tim- Timothy Chalamet. They played youth soccer together growing up. Always important. Former Hoya. I know I wrote something about Alex Mule when I was in Nashville, so I know way too much about this guy. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. I went with Jackson Ewell's diving header. Uh, even though the goalkeeper got a hand on it and made it look way more impressive. Uh, I don't know. Diving headers are just impressive. So, yeah. Josh, you cheated. What's your goal of the week? I, I only cheated a little bit. I picked a goal from Saturday night, so not technically uh, this past match week, but it was only, you know, six days ago. So I think it's allowed. But also, it was a freaking sweet goal. Uh, it was Andrew Brody left back for RSL. They it was ended up, it ended up being the game winning goal against Austin. Scored in like the 88th minute, I think something really late, maybe even stoppage time. But holy crap, what a goal! Ball rolled all the way across the field, one time finish, just lasered that thing into the corner, and Stuver did not even have a chance against that. So. Just a really, really awesome goal from Brody. I jaw dropped when I saw it. Just so good. You're going to go again because we're going to keep with the Nashville theme with your game to watch. Yeah, so I'm picking Nashville versus Atlanta United. Uh, Nashville is hosting on Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, Two reasons. One, last time these two teams played up in Nashville was about a week and a half ago for U.S. Open Cup. Very entertaining game i'll say i don't want to call it fun because atlanta lost but atlanta and i went up to nothing the first half nashville came back to win an extra time three to two so just a really back and forth game these games typically end two two or somewhere around there so there's always lots of goals between nashville and atlanta for whatever reason but the second reason why i'm picking this game to watch is because i am actually making the trip up to nashville this weekend with my brother and a couple friends we're going to go to geodis park and i am so excited just watching their game on Wednesday night against uh, Montreal. The play sounded really loud, and I know it's going to be completely different on a Saturday night against Atlanta um, with probably a more full stadium. So I'm really, really looking forward to the trip. I'll go next because another podcast member might be going to this game too. Uh, Mr. Drew Hubbard might be going to Charlotte versus Vancouver. Vancouver, the only reason I picked this game is because Vancouver have zero healthy goalkeepers. Uh, Thomas Sassel is out with a broken hand and both of their other backup goalkeepers tested positive for COVID. So they have nobody. Um, so I'm very interested to see how that will go for them. And therefore it is a game to watch. Drew, you'll finish us off before we do our favorite segment of the podcast. Uh, Josh's favorite segment of the podcast. What's your game to watch? My game to watch is... Austin, Orlando. I think it is in Austin, but still tough matchup for Austin, Orlando. Kind of has quietly being really good. No one's really talking about Orlando, I don't think. Um, and Austin FC, obviously, that win kind of got a little attention bump. See how they can. This is a really tough stretch for them. Two RSL, two LASC hosting Orlando. So if they can get three points out of this, that would be really impressive. Also, equally as impressive is if Orlando can go to Austin and get three points. Probably means it'll be like a 1-1 draw, but 
two good teams going at it. I don't know when it is. Maybe Saturday. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, you'll watch if you're listening to this podcast because you're a diehard MLS fan. I hope it's not on Saturday because the Charlotte Independents play forward Madison. Jackson Mingos. That's my game to watch. You and you only. Uh, let's do our MLS fantasy update. Josh's favorite segment. Uh, he loves it so much he's muted himself. So uh, we'll start with our top five. <laughs> he really did. Oh, my God. He literally has. <laughs> Um, our top five rounding out at number one, and this is a little off because we're in a two game week, so people can pick up points later on the weekend. But as it currently stands, after the midweek games, we've got USMNTSC with Persbjorka, uh, was sitting at 1066 points, Real AVC with Verdeja sitting in second. Uh, with 1063 Avenue BFC and Ketchum uh, sitting at 1040 in third two choose in a row in fourth at 1039 uh, so very close to Avenue BFC and Moron FC with Snee or Snay still haven't gotten a proper pronunciation on that <laughs> 1027 uh, so good week for him so far Rounding out our bottom because fantasy soccer sucks, according to him. Mr. Josh Boland has 531 points, which is very, very far back. Uh, he's got less than half of the points that first place has, so he can hold that with pride, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Impressively bad. Impressively bad. Yeah. Drew, you're doing less bad. You're sitting at six. 82 sitting in or nope you're higher than that you're 725 uh in 12th and then i'm rounding us out i'm sitting in 10th top 10 baby sitting on 876 points so it's still close up top and in the middle and then josh loves bringing up the rear but thank you for listening subscribe to the podcast because we always forget to say that Hopefully we'll be back sooner than last time, but I will let Drew do his usual goodbyes unless Josh has anything he wants to add to our fantasy discussion. He's still muted. Drew, take <laughs> Yes, thank you guys so much, as always, for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, is the website, mlsmultiplex.com. Check out awesome written content from our writers as the season continues. Follow the website on Twitter at MLS Multiplex. See stories get posted as they get written. Um, and be sure to follow us on Twitter for takes throughout the games. Myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. I'm not going to leave that out this time. Uh, so you don't get to miss an episode when it comes out. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. We really appreciate it. And please do review on the podcast. We would love to hear ways of how we can get better and improve. And the only way to do that is by leaving a review. So please let us know how you like in the podcast. We can do to improve. We really appreciate that as well. Subscribe, review, all that good stuff. And be sure to subscribe. I'm going to say it again. So you don't miss next time episode. So thanks again, and we will talk to you soon.
Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.